0: Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. According to the law of the Spirit, you are a perpetual winner. And not just a winner, a decisive winner. Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. But you might say, I don't feel like much of a conqueror. Well, that's where the law of the Spirit comes into play. The law of the Spirit declares that you are a victor and no longer a victim. So my question to you is, are you living under the authority of the law of the Spirit or under the authority of some other law? I'll give you an example. One of the decrees of the law of the Spirit is that we let the peace of God rule in our hearts and minds. This last week I decided I was going to start living under the law of the Spirit. And guess what? I was governed by peace all week long because I adopted the law of the Spirit over me. So listen in and see how the law of the Spirit entitles you to live as a conqueror over all your problems and all your challenges. Learning learning the law of the Spirit. Learning the law of the Spirit. And I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer. It says, your kingdom come. There's a, a phrase in there in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. And I want you to think back also to a prophecy. I believe it's in Isaiah about Jesus that says the government will be on his shoulders. So think about this. His kingdom come. The government will be on his shoulders. Well, let me ask you, what kingdom, what government doesn't have a law? I'll tell you what, even the cartels in in many parts of the world, but let's, let's think of Central and South America, the cartels there, end up instituting their own laws. Every government has a law. Every kingdom has a law. And what we're doing here is we're learning the law of the kingdom of heaven, which is the law of the Spirit. We need to learn. Can you imagine going to a country and not being aware of its laws? You would accidentally commit a felony without knowing it or misdemeanor? That would be very unfortunate. In the kingdom of heaven, it's incumbent on, on, on us... To learn the law of the Spirit. And the law of the Spirit really is the present at present evidence of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. You can finally learn, hey, the kingdom of heaven is not for the future. It's for right now. And the, this law of the Spirit is evidence of that kingdom in our hearts, and our souls, our lives right now. Look at this in Romans 7, 6. It says but now by dying to what once bound us we have been released from the law so that we may serve in a new way of the spirit this this law of the spirit is a new way and sad to say it's a new way to me i'm 50 years old i should have already known about this i should have already been well aware of this back when i was 19 or 20 when i started serving the lord it's taken me 30 years to stumble across the law of the spirit, and began to see it as a whole, as something important that I need to learn and understand, and to understand the freedom that it gives me. I uh, this week, um, well, l- last Sunday we talked about different, you know, different descriptions of the law of the spirit, and one of them was peace. It the, the Bible talks in, I think it's Colossians. It says, "Let the peace of God rule in you." And that made such a huge impression on me this last week. I began to tell the Holy Spirit, I want your peace to rule over me this week. That's the law of the Spirit. That's it, plain and simple. I want the peace. And you know what? All week long, the peace of God has ruled in my spirit, in my heart, over my life. The peace of God. See, I'm, I'm becoming aware of the governance of the Holy Spirit in my life, the law of the Spirit, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I hope you are as well, and you can get to that place. We can all get to that place of the Holy Spirit, His law governing ours. But let's continue on in Romans 8. That's where we've been for the last two weeks. We're now in verse 18 of Romans 8. If you wanna follow along, we're gonna cover off the remaining observations of the law of the Spirit in this, in this chapter. So reading in Romans 8, verse 18, it says, "'I consider that our present sufferings "'are not worth compare, comparing with the glory "'that will be revealed in us. "'For the creation waits in eager expectation "'for the children of God to be revealed. "'For the creation has been subjected to frustration.'" I don't know about you, but I hate frustration. It's been subjected to frustration Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. Look at these words. Suffering, frustration, subjected, bondage to decay. And brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know, and I'm in verse 22 now. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. There's another suffering word groaning as in pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So this verse, this set of verses have meant a lot to me this week. I, um, right in the middle of last Sunday's sermon, um, I had kind of slept weird on my neck the night before. But right in the middle of the sermon, I started getting some uh, electrical currents down my right arm. And I, honestly, I was having a hard time talking. (laughs) And uh, the word that I could use was misery, um, suffering. And right after the message, Tina had to take the prayer request, I went into our living room and started rolling around on the floor trying to find a comfortable position and couldn't find it for about two and a half days. And up all night, uh, Just I, it was just horrible. It was miserable. Um, and then thankfully, uh, God really did a miracle uh, around, I think it was Tuesday, um, but I still have some numbness in my in my uh, hand, my right hand, as a result of that. I was reminded what suffering is like, and it was it was good for me. And I'll tell you why. If you look at Psalms 119.71, it says, "It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn Your decrees." Wow! And I'll tell you, I'll tell you in just a second. I learned so much in those two and a half days, so so much. Through suffering, I learned a lot. But it was good for me to be afflicted because I learned your decrees. Now, another word for decrees is law. I learned some things about the law of the Spirit as I was miserable, as I was afflicted, as I was suffering somewhat. And here's what I've learned is experience is the best teacher. You know, as parents, we can tell our kids, hey, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do the other. You know, the only, the only way they really learn is through experience and then they match the experience with the instruction that you've given them and that's what God does he gives us instruction and then he lets experience teach us the law of the spirit we as christians through experience learn the law of the spirit of the spirit and that includes suffering experience includes some level of suffering in our life so here's the point that i'd like to make a person who learns the law of the spirit is a person rich with experience rich with experience i'm always shocked when i when i talk to christians who don't seem to place much of a premium on their experiences in life work experiences have taught me more about christianity than probably just about anything else marriage experiences have taught me th- things about god parenting certainly has taught me tons Of things about God and and the Bible. And so experience teaches us and, and helps us to learn matters of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit. And so we should appreciate the wealth of the lessons that we learn. Now, I know some of you have green thumbs and you like planting and gardening. Let me tell you what, whenever I'm pulling weeds, I learn a lot because I think of the weeds that I have in my life that God has had to pull up. And so any experience can teach you something uh, about God and getting drawn closer to him. So, And and this, let me explain something. This experience is not just head knowledge. I'm talking about heart knowledge. Something that you take into you and it literally becomes who you are. The lessons that you learn should mold your personality. So let me just share some personal lessons. Just a couple of them that I learned in just two and a half days while I was uh, not feeling too hot. Um, one of the main things that I learned is as I was just walking around at night trying to get comfortable is I want to be available to God. And I, it wasn't like one of these things where I told God, God, if you'll heal me, I'll be available. It wasn't like that at all. It was just, I was telling, in my inner self, I was just telling myself, I want to be more available to God. And it was a lesson that I learned. I, I It was so good that I wrote it down in my journal. Um, I Another one, I... After hurting a little bit, it re uh reinforced empathy for other people suffering. And I got to thinking of other people who can't sleep at night. And and while I, I feel sorry and sympathize with those who can't sleep at night, it reinvigorated my empathy for them. Um, here's another good one. Oh my goodness, this was fantastic. Um stop <laughs> I was I remember sitting there. And thinking, this is going to last forever. Because every time something bad happens to me, I think, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. God's going to teach me a lesson that's going to take two years. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, stop thinking that God is going to discipline you for long periods of time. It doesn't have to take that long. Your deliverance is right around the corner. And that blessed me and shook me up in a good way, in such a way, I know that God has deliverance for you and I'm talking to you right now he's got your deliverance right around the corner so stop thinking that it's going to take years for you to be delivered uh, I had this verse come to me as I was uh, in my misery <laughs> you will walk through the fire but you won't be burned you'll walk through the fire and you won't be burned that's in Isaiah 43 2 I didn't know where it was at the time it just popped into my head it remembered that verse um God reminded me of Mark 11 22 through 24 that says, have faith in God. I tell you, if any of you speaks to this mountain and says, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that it will be done, it will be done for him or it will be done for her. These, these lessons came to me while I was afflicted. So the law of the spirit is learned through experience, even experience that includes suffering let's move on. In Romans 8.26, it says, In the same way, Romans 8.26, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Listen to this. The law of the Spirit teaches us to pray differently. Differently from what? How we've prayed in the past? It teaches us to pray not to God, but to pray with God. And that's the law of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit says stop trying to reach that divine entity that's, that's you know in the heavenlies, far removed from you. You need to start praying with the Holy Spirit who's right beside you. Not to God, but with God, because He's with you, talking to you. He's listening to you. So this is the secret of praying naturally throughout the day. You know the Bible says pray without ceasing? This is the secret to praying without ceasing. When you start praying with the Spirit, realizing, conscious that He's right beside you, and He's in, within a whisper of, of a prayer. And furthermore, He wants to be talking to you as well. That's even more important, actually. So just to drive this point home, and this was another thing that I got on Tuesday while I was just not feeling too great, was Moses, listen to this, this blew me away. Moses was out in the wilderness for 40 years, and if you're by yourself a long time, you know you start talking to yourself. I don't know if you realize that, but I think most of us start talking to ourselves when we're in isolation. And that's pretty natural because we need company. So if there's nobody else around, we provide our own company. We start talking to ourselves. And in Exodus 3.3, after 40 years in the desert, Moses happens on a bizarre site, a a bush that's burning but is not burning up. It just keeps burning and burning. And in the common English Bible uh, version of the Bible, it says that Moses said to himself because he was by himself, he said, let me check out this amazing site and find out why this bush isn't burning up. In the New International Version, it says Moses thought, but in essence, Moses thought to himself, or he said to himself. Well, we know the rest of the story. Most likely, he walks up to the bush. God begins a conversation with him that lasts the rest of Moses' life. From then on, Moses stopped thinking to himself or talking to himself and he talked to God the rest of his life. And it's a conversation after conversation recorded in, in those books of the Bible of, of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Numbers where God and Moses talk. And we've got to get to the place where we're talking with God and not to God it's a big difference it's it's a it's a total change it's a paradigm change that's the law of the spirit god wants you to talk with him and not to him in matthew 16:5 this is another story that just cracks me up funny as it can be if you if you picture it here's jesus they're i think they're in a boat they're crossing the lake the disciples have forgotten to bring bread and Jesus says to them, be careful, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The disciples discussed among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, so Jesus is standing, he's on the boat they've turned their backs to him huddled in the back of the boat and they're saying oh it's probably because we didn't bring bread that jesus said this jesus is hearing them say this he's aware of it and he says you have little faith why are you talking among yourselves (laughs) i think that is the funniest scripture in the world There we are. We're talking to ourselves or we're talking to our friends. Well, I think God said this, or I think God means this, or I think God is this way or that way. And God is scratching his head looking at us and saying, would you talk with me? I'll share with you the truth. I'll show you the truth. That's the law of the spirit. So stop thinking to ourselves. Let's stop drawing the wrong conclusions and let's include God in our inner conversations. Turn your thoughts into conversations with God. So under the law of the Spirit, you pray with God instead of praying to Him. Let's move on. Romans 8, verse 28. Famous scripture. Scripture that I think of all the time. A scripture that I claim all the time because it's a promise. It says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. Listen to this. The law of the Spirit dictates that everything that ever happens to you will work out for your good. That's that's an insane section of the law of the Spirit. Can you imagine here in the United States if there was a law that, that said this? For any person that something bad happens to them, the government promises to make it good for them. Okay, so that means I have a car wreck. The government promises to put me in a, as good or a better position than I was before I had a car wreck. Or uh, I have some kind of financial disaster. The government promises to turn that around and make that out for my benefit or good. I'll tell you what, if there was a country like that, I'd go live in it today. Here we have the law of the Spirit promising this benefit to us. We should take full advantage of it. You know, the law of sin and death does not offer that to you. The law of Moses didn't offer it to us. Only the law of the Spirit. We need to begin to live in that. Anything bad that happens is going to turn out positive as a plus for us, as a benefit to us. Let's move on to verse 29 of Romans 8. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the first fruit among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Listen to this. The law of the Spirit predestines me, not just for salvation, but to be conformed into Jesus' image. This doesn't rest on my efforts. This rests on God's effort to conform me. I try to conform myself to Jesus' image, and it doesn't work. I've tried many times. I've tried for years and years, and it doesn't work. Only His effort conforms me into the image of Jesus. His mighty hand, his, God's mighty hand, is on my life as a Christian whether I like it or not. (laughs) My effort is only a cooperative effort, but not a leading effort. God takes the leading charge in my life, and I simply cooperate with Him. Now, I guarantee you, every single person who's listened to this, you can identify this. You've tried to be a good person. You've tried to earn God's uh, appreciation for who you are, and it doesn't work you've got to let him take the lead that's the law of the Spirit and that law can't be broken so when you try to break that law and be a better person on your own it doesn't work he's not gonna let it work he's not gonna let it work look at this in Philippians 2 12 and 13 a scripture that I love to think about meditate on and quote It says continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling why for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That that scripture right there makes it plain. God works first, you work second. So let God take the lead in conforming you into his son's image. In first Corinthians fifteen ten, first Corinthians fifteen ten it says, For by grace for by the grace of God I am what I am. The grace of God made me who I am, not me, And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Praise God. The grace of God works in us, and then we cooperate with the grace of God, with the Spirit of God, to become who God wants us to be. So the law of the Spirit conforms me to the image of Christ. Listen to this. It's the law that God takes the lead, not you. Verse 31 of Romans 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, there's many things we can glean of the law of the Spirit out of these couple of verses, but I want to share just one of them with you. It says... Uh, who can be against us? Let me tell you something. Jesus is not against you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jesus is not against you. Satan would love you to believe that you've committed the unpardonable sin, that you've gone too far, that you've done too many things, and that Jesus is against you and that he's condemning you. But I want to point out, Jesus is not your referee. He's on your side. Mm -hmm. He is your coach, he's not your referee. And the law of the spirit is very explicit about this. He's on your side and he's coaching you, he's not throwing the rule book at you. And the Bible is so clear on this, in particular the New Testament is so clear on this. But Let's read on in verse 33 of Romans 8. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of of God and is also interceding for us. The law of the Spirit tells us that if I'm a Christian, I am justified through Christ, period. There's no arguments. There's no if, ands, then, or buts. It's... It is simply the truth. I am a justified human being. What is justification? Just as if I'd never done anything wrong. I'm righteous in the sight of God. And this is such a powerful truth, and it captured my attention about eight or nine months ago. I learned a lesson. I learned how to pray for people who are struggling, Christians that are struggling. And it's this way. I simply pray for them. God, stand them back up and justify them. Let's just pretend like there's somebody who's relapsed back into drug use the 50th time and we're losing faith that they'll ever, they'll ever get, get free. We pray, God, justify them. Stand them back up once again. Let them know that in your sight they're justified regardless of their weakness, regardless of the things that they, they keep doing over and over that are wrong. And I love some of these scriptures I'm about to read to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. It says may the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God wash them sanctify them and justify them Wow it doesn't say may that person justify themselves no my prayer is may the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God wash them sanctify them and justify them You know what? When God justifies you, it's his unilateral decision to do so. In other words, he doesn't ask you for permission to justify you as a Christian. He simply does it of his own accord. He does it because he wants to. And so it's okay for you and me to pray for our brothers and sisters who are struggling for Christ to justify them. That's an appropriate and very powerful prayer. But look at Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. It says, Hey, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you think you're the the only one who's gone too far, you're wrong. Everybody's gone too far. But all are justified freely by his grace. Did you get that? All are justified freely. God gives it his justification freely through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ or came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, listen to this, to be received by faith. All you have to do is receive the justification that God presents to you through his son Jesus Christ, receive it by faith. He did this, To demonstrate his righteousness. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Now at work, whenever we're considering a new software platform that we're going to implement, we always ask the vendor for a demonstration of of that software. So we'll get on our computers and through our computer screens, the vendor will demonstrate the software to us and show us what it can do, all its cool bells and whistles and the neat things that it can do. Well, God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to get you on His holy screen and demonstrate His righteousness. He wants you to take a look at what His righteousness looks like instead of your own. Because in His forbearance, I'm continuing to read here, because in His forbearance He had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God's righteousness and justification is different from ours. We think when someone messes up, they need punishment. Jesus' justification is different. He took the punishment for you and for me, and he wants to demonstrate that righteousness to you. So if you live by the law of the Spirit, you won't live by your feelings of whether or not you're justified anymore. Come under the law of the Spirit, And live by it versus how you feel about yourself. But rather, by God's lawful declaration, you are justified in His sight because of His Son Jesus. That's the law of the Spirit. End of story. Now we continue on in Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Shall hardship? Shall persecution? Shall famine? nakedness danger sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep before as sheep to be slaughtered no in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us so many things we could say about these scriptures but i'll just pick one in relation to the law of the spirit the law of the spirit dictates that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus You are more than a conqueror. Um, That's what the law says. Now, it's up to you if you're going to embrace that, if you're going to live by the law. Or you can break the law and feel victimized and feel like you can't do anything and God doesn't love you and you're never going to mount to a hill of beans and you're no good. Go ahead and break the law. Or you can live by the law and live as more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. This word conqueror, means, uh, and it's it's like an excessive conqueror, a decisive conqueror. And it comes from two Greek words that are put together, hyper-nikeo. Now, nikeo is the word from which the brand Nike gets its, its name from. It's the Greek word victory. But here it's talking about hyper-victory, like excessive victory, where you take you win so much that your foot is standing on the throat of your enemy and you have decisively won and they're dead. Uh, similar to, and I'm not talking about people dying here, I'm talking about spiritual enemies, okay? But it's similar to uh, the gruesome picture that's described in Exodus when when uh, Moses and the children of Israel have crossed the Dead Sea, the waters crash over the Egyptian pursuers, and the next day they see their pursuers washing up on the seashore, dead, conquered, and gone. That's hyper-nekao. Nikael. is complete and decisive conquering. The law dictates that you're to live that way. Let me ask you a question, why aren't you living that way? It's like Joshua was told when he was to conquer Canaan, God told him, everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And God is telling you that today as well. Everywhere you put your foot, you put your foot on that cancer that's plaguing you right now. He's conquered it for you. You take it. Have a decisive victory over that. Or that, that depression. Put your foot on that depression and say, God has given you into my hands. I love what David said when he faced Goliath right before he slew Goliath. There was that nine-foot giant standing in front of that teenage boy who wasn't very tall, I'm sure. And David said, Today God will give you into my hands and I will feed your flesh to the birds. Another uh, violent, grotesque uh, statement. But you know what? As Christians, we need to see the spiritual side of things as such. All right? So here we find that the law of the Spirit entitles you to a winning life. End of story. You are gonna have a winning life if you'll live according to the law of the Spirit. Or you can live less than that. You can still be a Christian. You can still get into heaven and not live by the law of the Spirit and live a losing life. I, for one, don't wanna be one of those people. So wherever the Spirit leads you, he has given you decisive victory. Decisive victory. That's the law of the Spirit. I love this scripture in Second 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Now, there's a very... Uh, good cultural explanation for the scripture that I'm not going to get into. I want you, I want to take a little bit different angle here. First of all, it says always. You are always a conqueror according to the law of the Spirit, and you are led as a captive by Christ. Now, when you come under a law, you're captive to it. So if you will sub- subject yourself to the law of the Spirit, you can't help but win. It'll just happen all the time. Will you have troubles? absolutely but you'll win over those troubles will you have evil and suffering and difficulties come into your life absolutely but you will always win you will always win 2nd Corinthians 2 14 so come under the authority of the law of the Spirit and you will be given the power of the Spirit to win the Lord's battles see that thing that you're facing right now that's God's battle That's not your battle. And so he's led you into his battle to win him a victory. Now go win one for the Lord and stop being defeated. You're a winner, not a loser. Praise God. In 1 John 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Who have you overcome? People who are anti-Christs or anti-Christians. There was a a very sad uh, thing that happened this week in Mississippi where a church was burned down by what was believed to be a group of atheists. You know what? That church congregation is going to overcome because... They are of God. It goes on here, and I'll read it, 1 John 4, verse 4. It says, Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Spirit that's in you, and the law of the Spirit that's governing you, is greater than the law of the world. Again, that was 1 John 4, verses 3 through 5. So, we have been given power authority praise god through the law of the spirit to over overpower cancer overpower addiction overpower injury injustice divorce distraction doubt worry which is fear overcome it through the law of the spirit come under the authority of the law of the spirit and you will be given the power of the spirit praise god here's another cool verse about overcoming i could read many of them but here's just one first john verses excuse me chapter five verse four for everyone born of god overcomes the world period there's no ex- no further explanation it's just simply you're born of god you overcome the world now the reason why we don't overcome is simply because we don't live by the law of the spirit it's as simple as that i'm convinced of that if we will begin to live by the law of the spirit we will be overcomers because God always overcomes. This verse continues in 1 John 5, uh, verse 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Now faith is not something that you drum up every morning. No, faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. We've got to get the Word of God into us every single day. Some form, some fashion, we've got to have the Word of God in us. Meditating on it, speaking it, praying it, uh, reading it, studying it, practicing it. The Word of God is what builds our faith. There's nothing else, nothing else in this world that will build our faith except for the Word of God. Continues on in verse five of first John five. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Praise God. Mm. Now I'm gonna give you this statement. We're we're a minute or two from finishing, but I would hope that everybody would write this statement down. I heard this from Franklin Graham. If Jesus is in your boat, you can't sink. If Jesus is in your boat, you can't sink. Doesn't matter if you're financially destitute it doesn't matter if you're sick it doesn't matter if you're alone if jesus is there your boat is not going to sink so stop letting the devil tell you otherwise it's not going to happen you're not going to sink because jesus is with you let me finish up with one last thought we have the last two verses of romans 8 verse 38 verse 39 it says for i am convinced that neither life nor death, and I got that backwards because I'm dyslexic, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation, so we're talking about spiritual powers because they were created, nothing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God the most powerful thing in the whole world is the love of God there's nothing more powerful than the love of God and to live in the ocean of God's love is to live in the law of the Spirit so you go ahead go dive into God's love and in doing so you'll be living by the law of the Spirit because the law of the Spirit is love, it's grace, it's peace, it's power, it's all, it's joy, it's all the things that you want to have in your life. So go jump into God's love. I used to think, you know, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, people praying and getting healed and people, you know, mighty wonders, signs and wonders. Well, all of that comes from God's love. That's the power of God, is God's love. And that's what changes lives more than anything else. More than anything else. So let's just summarize today's message just real quick. The person who learns the law of the Spirit is a person rich with experience. So I challenge you, learn, don't reject your experiences. They might be terrible. You may have had an abusive past. Don't reject that experience. God wants to teach you something through it. Even if your experience is bad, learn from your experience. Think back on your experiences, all right, and see what lessons you learn. And certainly the experience that you're in right now, because we're all in an experience right now, ask the Holy Spirit, teach me, Holy Spirit, what you're trying to teach me. Help me to learn what you're trying to teach me, because He is, He's trying to teach you something and in in a good way the second thing we we talked about is the law of the Spirit teaches us to pray differently let's not pray to God let's pray with God and in doing so have a a a string of conversations throughout the day that are just natural the law of the Spirit dictates everything that happens to you that it will work out for your good It just is gonna happen. It's just a natural spiritual law. It's gonna work out for your good. Additionally, I'm predestined to be more than just saved. I'm predestined to be conformed into Jesus's image and God's hand is taking the forefront in that effort. It's not my own. Jesus is not my referee, he's on my side, he's my coach. I stand justified through Jesus, If I'm a Christian, you stand justified today through Christ Jesus if in fact you've asked Jesus into your heart and received that justification which He's given you freely. The law of the Spirit dictates that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Now start living that way. And lastly, the most powerful thing in the whole world is the love of God. And if you live in God's love, you're living under His law. Praise God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for your amazing Word. Lord, the amazing insights your Spirit gives us through your Word. Lord, we don't need anybody to teach us. We just need the Holy Spirit to teach us. Granted, you use people, Lord God, to to vocalize the lessons, uh, spiritual lessons, but ultimately, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Thank you, Heavenly Father, uh, for sending your Holy Spirit to live in us and with us, to empower us, to fill us, to satisfy us, to give us purpose, O God. And we thank you, God, that the law of the Spirit accompanies the Holy Spirit. Lord, a law that frees us from the law of sin and death. Lord, that satisfies the requirements of the Mosaic law, or the law of Moses. Lord, so that we are justified. Thank you, Heavenly Father, we're made righteous. Bless God, Lord, and and we look forward into the next two weeks where we're going to be studying about a person who was led of the Spirit uh, the latter part of their life, Lord Jesus, and the incredible things that happened to that person as they were led of the Spirit, as they were governed by the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord God, um, we really don't need guidance so much as we just need the Holy Spirit to govern our lives teach us to live under the law of the spirit we pray and we thank you heavenly father for it in your name i pray amen